I want to finish the message we began here, and some of you were not here when we began it. Uh, we began a message on holding fast. I titled the message, so it's easy to remember, hold on to what you got. How many got something? You know that something is real in your spiritual life today. You have something that is personal, and you know it's real. Nobody can come to your door and convince you that what you have is not real. They've come to our door, and it didn't work, amen, (laughs) because there's no doubt in our walk with the Lord. But the enemy is hard at work today to undermine uh, what we have in Christ and to try to destroy the very foundations. Brother Taylor brought a message. It was a very good biblical message out of the book of Psalms. And I do listen to other preachers, including preachers that preach here. Amen. And he brought a message entitled, uh, If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Jesus talked about foundations in the New Covenant. He said there, there are people that build on sand and the wind comes, and the rain comes, and the floods come. And the, no matter how tall they build, it falls. It always falls because there's no real firm foundation. Remember the Bible study with J. Vernon McGee? Remember the theme song, How Firm a Foundation, You Saints in the Lord? We used to have a radio broadcast called Foundations for Faith. Amen. Where we built upon the Word of God, that our faith come directly and distinctly from this truth that is is more permanent than the world that we know and see. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word, what will happen? My Word will abide forever. Praise God. Amen. Well, we just want to get on a foundation that cannot be moved because there's another man who digged deep He had to make a a concerted effort to do that. You don't just get this by sitting in church, but by opening your mind and opening your heart and by giving heed to the Word of God. Scripture said that we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. And that word slip is a nautical term. It means a ship that is supposed to come into a port that is travel for the purpose of coming to that port and that destination, but goes by and doesn't come into the port. Amen. God don't want you to miss what he has to say. He wants you to hear what the Spirit says to the church today. How many believe we're living in the last days? In the last days, perilous times will come. We're here. That's not a future thing. It's here and it's now. Many false prophets shall go out into the earth and deceive many. We're in that time of deception right now. There's more false gospels and false prophets and false preachers than there has ever been. And you need to get in your Bible. You need not to be swayed by personalities on television. By the way, if you're on television, you're a personality. TV gives you that status. I went to preach in Merritt Island, a revival with another man over on the other coast, the East Coast. And when I got over there, I had been on television uh, one time 
uh, recently, uh, maybe maybe 10 months before I went to minister that meeting, and I went on there with a, with a uh, retired policeman whose son committed suicide because he was involved with a, a game called Dungeons and Dragons, and he took on these characters, and, and, uh, and we were talking about witchcraft and the occult and Satan's, in, Satan's inroads into people's minds and into their lives. And I was on there with Bob DeAndrea and his wife and this policeman that attended our church. You may remember him, uh, who retired from the police force, who put up all the stonework, by the way, that was on our church building in Sulphur Springs. His hands were, were callous from doing that work, but he did it, did it for us, and we were so grateful for that. But anyway, Brother Pat, but when I got to Merritt Island, a man come running up to me out of the audience before I was going to speak, and he said, Weren't you on Channel 22? And I thought he was going to ask me for my autograph or something. He, he was awestruck that someone that had been on television, television gives you a personality uh, immediate. Remember Ernie Lee? He wasn't a great guitarist. You know, remember? I like my coffee good and brown. A little browner than they make downtown. Oh, me, oh, my. I got the coffee blues. That's not going to put you on the Grand Ole Opry. Can you say, man, it just isn't going to put you in to that level. But locally, he was a celebrity. Why? Because every morning, remember Salty Saul Flashman? Let's see the hands of people who remember Salty Saul. Now look at everybody. They're all older than the rest of you guys. Amen? Because that was back in the day. Everybody say black and white television. That was before color. Amen. TV. And he said, if you're, too, if you're too busy to go fishing, and I ought to get an amen from Terry and an amen from Brother Costello, amen. If you're too busy to go fishing, you're just too busy. So, and how do you remember that? Because this celebrity, celebrity, there are preachers that are on television that have celebrity status because of the camera. But that's, and there are people that will listen to them just because they're on television. Amen. I don't want anyone to listen to me because they saw me on television. I want them to listen because I'm preaching and teaching truth from the Word of God. Because you're not going to be able to stand a day when evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, if you don't have truth as a foundation. And when they said, what is truth? Jesus declared himself to be the truth. And he declared the word to be the truth. Can you say man? So it's real important that we hold on to what we've got. Backsliding occurs when people do not hold fast to what they have in Christ. And the devil is able to lure them away from the first love. Lure them away from Bible study. Lure them away from Christian fellowship. Amen. It doesn't matter anymore. My hand says to the foot all the time, I don't need you. I don't need to be there. I don't need to care about what you're going through. It's not about you. It's all about me. And the hand says to the foot, I don't need you. And when people lay out a church, they're saying, I don't need the body of Christ. And yet the scriptures say, forsake not. It wasn't a suggestion. Forsake not. You say, well, I heard a guy the other day say, I get as much through television. I listen to brother so-and-so. 
It doesn't matter if you listen to Jesus on television, if he was on television. That's not the, his body is not just him personally, it's him spiritually through the church. Are you listening to me? And by the way, when did we just get this get attitude? Lord, my name's Jimmy, I want all your gimme. When did we isolate ourselves from one another and call ourselves Christian? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but do it much the more as you see the day approaching. It's more vital now at exhorting one another. You know what exhort means in that context? Strongly encouraging one another in right living. How many, we, how, many need, how many believe that we need strong encouragement to hold, to stay the course, being upstream Christians in a downstream world? We need each other and the encouragement, not only of, of helping one another through counsel, good godly counsel, but helping one another by somebody living in victory so somebody else can follow them as they follow him. Amen? It's an awfully low point right there. Somebody needs to have the victory in this bill. And I don't just mean not be sick or not have problems. I'm talking about really demonstrated a devoted life to Jesus. Somebody in here ought to be following Jesus with joy and with enthusiasm and with peace and with power and saying you can overcome this culture. You can overcome the flesh. You can overcome the world, the devil and the flesh. There is victory in Jesus. Victory is by business, and business is good. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God which gives us the what? The victory in Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, in the work of the Lord, for you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is what has kept me going when nobody was coming and nobody cared and nobody was listening. I know my labor is not in vain. It's not how big the church is, but where did the Word go and what did the Word do? I'm going to tell you something. There's 1,300 sermons online. And if God wants to send somebody to our website to hear anything that's there, if I was dead today, what would happen to the website? It would go on. If our webmaster decided it was worth keeping, and he said, well, brother, <laughs> it wasn't worth keeping, he wouldn't be doing it because it's a J-O-B, it's a job. But I'm going to tell you something. He's part of something that is big because God said something about his word. He said, my word will not return to me void. It will not return to me void. I don't know if you need encouragement or not, but I do. And I'm going to preach myself happy before I leave here today. Hallelujah. My word will not return to me void. 
Amen. It will not. There may be people shut you down and people turn you off, but the Word of God is the Word of God, and heaven and earth will pass away, but His eternal Word is as eternal as God Himself. Hallelujah. And it's more eternal than this world, this earth, this body that we're living in. Praise God. All of that is passing. It is in transient. It is in flux. But He's the Lord God of Israel. He changes not. He watches over His Word to perform it. And Isaiah said His Word is like the rain and the snow that comes down out of heaven and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and to bud. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will accomplish that that I desire. It will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I got really down. Did you ever, anybody ever get down? I'm not going to chide you for that. I've been where you are or where you have been. We all get down. Oh, by the way, when I say get down, I mean get down in that deep valley. The Apostle Paul got down. David, the giant killer, had to encourage him, Soul, why art art thou disquieted within me? He got down in that valley, but he didn't live there. That's the victory. It's not never finding yourself in that condition. It's always looking to God and allowing Him to bring you out and give you victory. Can you say, man? (laughs) Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul got down. I would not have you to be ignorant. He was forthright. He was candid about it. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble that we had in Asia, how that we were pressed beyond measure and despaired of life itself. That's lower than a snake in a wagon rut can you say man when you just said lord i'd rather come on home that the pressure the persecution is so tough down here i I'd, i'd rather just come home listen to the lesson learned and the victory gained i would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning the trouble we experienced in asia he's talking about himself and the other disciples and apostles He said how we were pressed beyond measure and we despaired of life itself that we might learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Can you say, man, there is victory. Even if you find yourself in that condition, there's victory in Jesus Christ. But you've got to hold on to what you've got. You've got to hold on. The ancient mariners would tattoo and I was looking for some kind of wash off stuff to demonstrate this but I couldn't find the wash off stuff and I didn't want to use a permanent marker if I'd used a permanent marker it had been there for a long time and people would ask me what it meant and I'd preach the sermon you're getting this morning amen maybe I should have put it on on these this part of the hand it says H you know the love hate thing you've seen that on 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 this hand would be hold, H-O-L-D. On this hand would be fast, F-A-S-T. They would have it tattooed because in those ancient wind-driven sailing ships, they were small. They, They didn't have their own propellant when the wind, they were at the mercy of the winds many times except for setting the sail a certain way. And the crew couldn't go hide downstairs from the storm. They had to get up on deck and do whatever they needed to do to keep that ship from being capsized by the way of the storm. 
and the waves of the storm would sweep over the entire ship. And if they didn't hold fast to something, it would sweep them away. And they would be lost at sea in the midst of a storm and surely die. So just so they could remind themselves, when I'm up on that deck in the middle of this storm, I need to hold fast. When the wave hits, I've got to find something, something that I can hold on to that can't be shaken that will not give way by my weight. And and my grip has to be strong enough to hold on. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Holding on to what we are supposed to hold on to is not just based on our strength and our grip, but our determination not to turn it loose. If you're determined to hold on to what you've got, God is going to give you the grace, and the grace is going to be sufficient. God is going to give you the strength, and the strength is going to be sufficient. God is going to give you the courage that you need, and the courage is going to cause you to grab a hold of God instead of wring your hands. You're going to raise your hands in praise anyway. Can you say, man, you're going to hold on to what you've got? Look at somebody and say, have you got anything worth holding on to? There's an elderly lady, and I have to be careful when I talk about elderly women now. Because I'm elderly by the standard that I'm talking about others, and I thought this poor old 70-year-old lady that they robbed. Then I'm thinking, but wait, I'm 71. She's not so old. told you before i'll tell you again i don't know if you were here hey amen I, I went to the dermatologist for my checkup and the, the nurse that uh, uh you know because i worked for tico for years and i was out in the sun and they checked me over and find out if there's anything needs addressing once a year my checkup and uh the uh, uh lady that took me in to get ready to see the the dermatologist she said that when the doctor comes in says just take off your shirt and hop up on this table And you know what I told her. I don't hop anymore. (laughs) I'll climb up on there. (laughs) She said, no, no, because we, you know, there's a banter going on here. She said, no, no, sir. No, she says, it is required that you hop on the table. I said, well, I said, well, I'm going to, I, I will try to climb up on it. She said, listen, she said, you've got some hop left in you. And I thought, (laughs) That's just like somebody the other day said, well, you're only as old as you feel, Brother Bimble. And I said, oh, Lord, help me. God, give me grace. God, give me mercy. Listen, you pass 70, you will feel it. For you younger people sitting here, you don't know what it's like. But you're going to know. Right, Brother T? Amen. When you push 80, things are going to change. Am I right? He don't hop anymore, does he? Yeah. The rabbit hops, Brother Taylor. Like my dad used to say, I said, Dad, let's go down to the car show. Let's just ease down there. Because I knew, you know, he was 90. I said, let's just ease down there and look at all those cars and reminisce. And he said, i tell you what, Bobby, let's just ooze down there. It got to where ease was a little too fast for him, but we could ooze down there. Hallelujah. Here's the serious part of the message. Many false prophets shall go out into the land. What shall be the sign of your coming 
Matthew 24. 11 and 12 is part of that. Many false prophets shall go out into the land and deceive many. That's what's so disconcerting. Many. This is not an aberration. This is not a few Christians who didn't get grounded. This is a whole bunch of people. The blind lead the blind. It doesn't matter how many persons is following the blind person. Everyone ends up in the ditch. You can't go with the personality of the preacher. You have to go with the person of Christ. You have to go with the Word of God. You have to know your Bible enough to check everything and everyone out. And if you don't, then you are a mark. Some of these people couldn't be on television deceiving people if it wasn't for deceived Christians supporting them. Christians who know their Bible wouldn't do it. They wouldn't fall for the junk. They would be more spiritually discerning than that. There's a gift called discerning of spirits. When you go to pray for someone, you can discern because the Holy Ghost will tell you what you're dealing with. Everything is not a devil. You don't cast, uh, you know, the spirit of Big Mac out of out of somebody because they're, you know, they just need to have some self-control. But there are spirits that bind people. There's a gift called discerning of spirits, but there's also discernment. And it's not a spiritual gift. It's something that comes as we receive and grow in the Word of God. Strong meat belongs to those And listen, you can't stay on milk and survive the end times. If there are Christians here on milk, they're going to need some Christians on meat to help them because they're not going to be able to make it on their own. Milk is not for men and women. The Bible said, quit ye like men, which means act like men and be strong. Many people grow old, but they never grow up. They grow old, but they never grow up. In your spiritual walk, it's not how long you've been in the way, it's how far you've traveled. Can you say amen? There are people that are 80 years old that have never grew up in God. They're spoiled. Their feelings are on their shoulders. They're easily offended. They'll quit you in a heartbeat. And there are people that are 30 years old that are sold out to Christ. Hallelujah. That want to serve Him with every fiber of their being. Listen to me very carefully today. You can't survive on milk in the perilous time, in the falling away, in the day of great such seduction and such deception. Many false prophets will go out into the world and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, because sinfulness will abound in the church, in the pulpit, in the world, sinfulness abounding. Listen to what happens. The love of many. And that Jesus is saying this. This is not some grim, fatalistic, fire and brimstone, last day preacher. This is Jesus saying what it's going to be like and what's going to happen. And friend, it's like that now and it's happening now. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, many, say many with me. The love of many shall wax cold. And what happens when people are still in church, but they fall out of love with Jesus? 
They just go to church. They don't follow Christ. You open the Bible and they don't open their ears or their heart. They seize every opportunity to be anywhere but under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. See, that's why you've got to hold on. Number one, you've got to get something, but when you get it, you've got to get a grip on it and hold on to it. Remember Mary and Martha? Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's home and his entourage of people needing and wanting something come with him. And the first thing in Martha's mind is, we've got to fix something for all these people to eat. But Jesus sits down and begins to teach, and Martha's out in the kitchen. And by the way, we need something to eat. We need Martha's in every church to help us get the job done. But when the Martha's are never exposed to the Word of God, when the Martha's are never exposed to the Word of God, and whether people don't see the power of that Word and the need of that Word and lose the hunger for it, a spiritual anemia sits into that life. And you won't know how weak you are until the fiery trial comes. But when the giant comes, I had a lady tell me just before she backslid on the Lord for a season, back at the Holy Church of God, because we preached on slaying your giants, David slaying Goliath and, and the kind of faith that was demonstrated on that fateful day. Amen. When so much was at stake and God saved the day through a shepherd boy <laughs> that said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Amen. And you know the victory that was won on that day. But this lady came up to me after the service. She said, Brother Venerable, I'm not. Oh, oh, by the way, when he went down there to do it, he had already experienced God's blessing and God's victories keeping the sheep. He didn't go straight from keeping the sheep to a giant without some victories in between to prepare him for the giant. You know what they told him? Have you seen the size of this man? Have you seen how big? Do you understand what you're going up against? Do you really get it? But Saul recognized something on David, didn't he? Saul recognized the anointing of God that he once once operated under was on this young man. And he said, if there's hope for a victory for Israel to not be bond slaves to the Philistines, when we send out a champion today, amen, no one in his army had the anointing. They might have had muscularity. They might have had, they might have had great armor. They might have had all kinds of military training, but they were no, nobody could stand up to this giant that was defying Israel. But when a shepherd boy came down with that kind of courage and that kind of faith, by the way, they had met before. Amen. Because when Saul was troubled, he called for a musician. He had something that I would call similar to stress migraines. And he, he couldn't enjoy all of the blessings of being king and having a kingdom until he could get some relief. And he said, bring me somebody that can, can play skillfully upon a harp, upon an instrument, to calm him down. And guess who came in? Who they went and got? They got a young man with an anointing. 
of the name of David. And when David played, he didn't play for the king. He played for the king of kings. Can you say man? Boy, there's a difference when someone comes, even in the Christian uh, circles, to entertain you as a congregation. And when somebody comes to minister to the Lord and just let you. Can you say man? I don't, I don't need any more entertainment, Christian or otherwise. I'm probably too entertained as it is. I don't want a preacher to entertain me. I want a preacher to enlighten me and encourage me and let me know what I need to do to hold fast. Can you say amen? Because the storm is not coming. They used to preach that when I first got saved. All those years ago, there's a storm coming. Dark days are coming. Perilous times are coming. You can't preach that anymore. They're not coming anymore. They're here. They're here. And evil men and seducers are here. The false prophets are here. There's never been a time. We just came through Easter. Resurrection Sunday. The greatest holy day of Christendom. No, it's not Christmas. Christmas would have no relevance if Jesus did not rise from the dead. If He didn't go to the cross and the cross wasn't enough to satisfy the wrath of God. Then, there, then our preaching is vain, Paul said. We are made to be liars. You are yet in your sins. Your faith is vain. And I don't know about you, but i got some loved ones I want to see. My, most of my loved ones on the other side. Sister Christella, isn't it good to know? He, he said if, if there's no resurrection, the dead are not raised. Amen. But thank God the dead are going to get up on that great getting up morning. On that great getting up morning, fare thee well, fare thee well. A great getting up morning is coming. And Job saw it, the most ancient book of the Bible. Amen. One of the most ancient is the book of Job and the thing that anchored him when everything else was failing him. When all that went wrong in his life that he didn't understand and his wife turned on him and said, why don't you curse God and die? He's been unfaithful to you. There's nothing to live for. He said, I know. My Redeemer liveth. And at the last day, He's going to stand upon the earth. And though the skin worms eat all the flesh from my dead old bones, when He stands up, I'm going to stand up with Him. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 When 30%, 30%, 3 out of 10 clergy, do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus standing behind pulpits. Do not believe in the virgin birth. Behold, a vir- this shall be a sign to you. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name. Listen to me very carefully. We're watching the enemy try to dismantle the foundation stones upon which the church itself is built while still throwing the name of Jesus around. Honey, you've got to do more than just just believe in Jesus. You've got to believe on Jesus as your Savior and your Sovereign and your Lord and your King. And you've got to believe His Word is true because He rose from the dead to confirm it. Can you say man? Everybody say, hold fast. The storm is here. Everything that can be shaken stands to reason. If it can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. So that, so that, there's a positive in all of this shaking that's occurring. So that that 
which cannot be shaken might remain. You know what is perfecting the bride? The persecutions, the temptations, the shaking that's happening right now. Because there are those that are going to hold tighter. And they're going to constitute a bride. Can you say, man, a glorious bride? Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might walk, leave it in the putrefied, polluted mess that it's in today. Amen. When the divorce rate among preachers is the same as the divorce rate among people don't even know Jesus while holding a big old Bible in our hand. Can't be an example to the flock because there's no victory. Is it a forgivable thing? Yes, it is. But there's got to be a victory. Lady left our church years ago said, I was in a broken relationship, and every time I seen you and Pamela loving on one another and talking about your love for each other, it just made me feel bad. I thought, y'all not feel bad because we got victory? That ought to make you feel good. Maybe there's somebody out there that will make a real commitment to you. Maybe you'll make a real commitment to somebody. Maybe if you're both Christian, you don't marry an unbeliever and become unequally yoked together. Maybe the two of you in Jesus can hold that thing together and have victory. Don't get mad and run from people with the victory. Follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're not together today because Sleeping Beauty married Prince Charming. By the way, Sleeping Beauty woke up I need to say no more. <laughs> and you better not say anything. Sleeping Beauty did wake up. She stayed asleep. Oh, she's just, you know, she's very quiet. She just goes along with everything I say and do. Well, wait till she wakes up, old hoss. Can you say? <laughs> then you're going to have challenges to people trying to become one. But if the Lord makes you one. If the miracle of marriage occurs, two believers get married under God's auspices and the two become one flesh. Hallelujah. A triple-stranded cord is not easily broken. And you get God in the middle and two people looking to God and holding on to God. They're going to hold on to one another. Hold on to what you got. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. James Cleveland used to sing, Lord, help me to hold out. Until my change comes. Amen. God will help us to hold on. And God will help us to hold out. But you've got to have the resolve to do it. He won't superimpose His will upon you. But if you've got a heart to stand true to God, and you want the truth, and you don't want nothing but the truth, amen, so help you God, God will help you to know the truth. God will help you to be set free. God will help you through every trial. God will help you through every test. You will be more than a survivor. You will be more. Paul said he hath made us more. I don't know if you're getting this. More than a conqueror. His victory is not barely enough. He's not a barely enough God. He's a more than enough God. Can you say amen? His name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. 
He's not, I'm not talking about the material world. I'm talking about how He lavishes love. He lavishes His grace. He fills us with power by the Holy Spirit. Power to do what? Barely make it? No! Power to overcome! This is more than a come tie my bow tie club where you speak in tongues to convince other people of your spirituality. This is the receptivity of the mighty Holy Spirit into your life. The paraclete, one called alongside to help you and coming inside to keep you. And he uses the Holy Spirit as a seal to mark you as his. Hallelujah. We are sealed. And that is the word for branded by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Amen. The Bible said in a great house there are many vessels. Some to honor wood, made out of wood and clay, but some out of gold and silver. And if you will purge yourself from youthful lust, if you'll grow up and graduate from milk to meat, can you say, man, thou shalt be what? A vessel of honor, meat, for the master's use. Hallelujah. In a great house, there are many vessels. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Can you say, man, the Lord knows them that belong to him. A lot of people claim him. You know what's going to happen according to Christ's words? Many. There's that word again that keeps cropping up. Because of the deception, many, 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 many. There are people going to church right now where they can hear a sermonette where they don't deal with the reality of hell. They don't deal with the reality of eternal banishment and punishment. Because they will offend someone. Honey, offend me. Offend me big time. Amen. Tell me the truth about heaven and hell so I can make an informed decision about where I'm going to spend eternity. Do not spare my feelings. Do not worry about whether I'm going to give anymore or come anymore. When you have the opportunity to expose me to that truth, do not hide it from me. Do not water it down. There are preachers that do not believe in, in hell anymore either. You see, once you go down that slippery slope, Once you start giving away the foundation stones of the faith, amen, then it all begins to, like a landslide, begin to come down. And what the devil wants to do, and I've preached this before, but i got to say it again this morning. It's the supernatural that he wants to take away from the church. He he knows we can't fight him in ourselves. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Everybody say the supernatural. Hallelujah. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? Supernatural strongholds. For we argue not against what? Flesh and blood. But powers and principalities. Everybody say supernatural. Can you say man? Just keep reading your little book. Don't believe it. Take the parts out that you don't agree with. But keep reading your little Bible book. But don't let the power of that get a hold of you. Don't, don't, just keep talking about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. But don't get filled with the Holy Spirit so that there's power in your life. Can you say amen? Go ahead and say you believe Jesus rose from the dead, but you know He didn't physically. Take the power of that away. 
Can you say amen? Go ahead and go to church, but don't guard your heart. Amen. Lose the first love and just go to church because you just want a fellowship with the people or, or someday you might need help from God and you want to keep your, your, your foot in the door. But whatever you do, don't get in your Bible when you get home. Whatever you do, don't sing a praise song to Him riding down the road in your automobile. Whatever you do, don't get hungry for the Word of God. Hallelujah. Instead of looking at your clock, say, feed me some more. I want some more. Do you still want some more? For real? You bless me. You be- he said you didn't get much last Sunday because I didn't preach. And now you're saying I wish you would quit. I want to get this out, and I'll not get it out in one service. But friend of mine, we're living in the day of the falling away. The storm is here. The storm clouds. There's not just clouds anymore. There are waves. There are billows. And you've got to grab a hold of something that's not going to give way. And if you grab a hold of it, God is going to grab a hold of you to keep you holding on. You will not do it in your strength. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prayed for several things. He said, I bow my knee. To the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus. I bow my knee and I pray that you will grant unto them, those believers at Ephesus and us believers today in Brandon, Florida. I pray, Father, that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. That's revelation knowledge. Everybody say revelation. Eyes of your understanding goes beyond the 2020 vision of your physical sight. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, that the eyes, remember the song, the beautiful song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Listen to me carefully. What does the God of this world do? What is his personal business to blind the minds of so many. Listen to it carefully. I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of your calling, that you might know. See, this is by revelation. This is supernatural. Listen, that you might know. Amen. What is his inheritance in the saints? This is not your inheritance in Christ that we're so prone to. It's his inheritance in us. It's where He holds us, where He esteems us, how much He loves us to make us a joint heir with His only Son. Glory be to God. And listen to this. This is what the devil wants to dismantle also. And that you might know His power to usward which believe. That means what is available to every child of God, regardless of your denominational structure or system. This is for the believer in Jesus Christ. That you might know, not just know that it exists, but know through experience. Hallelujah. The power to usward that believe which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Do you believe the church could do a little bit better with resurrection power than she's doing with religious power? Do you believe resurrection power exceeds your human abilities do you believe you could overcome with that kind of power operating in your life then do you believe that speaking in tongues has to go further than just speaking in tongues 
Everywhere you find that written, full of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost, it means filled with, and here's the part that short-circuits that power, filled with and controlled by. It's your commitment to obedience that releases that spiritual power in your life. If you want to follow Jesus, hell can't hold you back because that power will be released in your life. But if you're wishy-washy about following Jesus, that power is not released because you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can't be controlled by the flesh and expect the power of God to give you victory over the devil. Or the name of Jesus. You can't even use the name of Jesus if you are not committed to follow Christ. Listen to me carefully. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. It's not what the Bible said. It's not what the Scriptures teach. No one ever defeated the devil by resisting him without submitting first to God. Why should the devil listen to you when you won't listen to God? Why should the devil honor Jesus' name that you're trying to use against him when you don't honor Jesus' name enough to take up your cross and follow him? The devil laugh in your face. And there are people going to authority of believer conferences thinking there's some big something and they need to read the story of the seven sons of Sceva. They were not believers. They were not followers of Jesus, but they found a faith formula that they thought would give them victory over the devil. And so many people were demon-possessed in that area. They said, we can make a killing, charging people for exorcism. So seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, decided to go out in the name of Jesus that they hadn't accepted as their Savior and use His name to exorcise demons out of people. And they had heard Paul do it and heard him preach and they said we so they said let's just make a double sure we're gonna this is gonna work for us let's use the name of Jesus and of Paul so they came up to this guy that was really possessed and they said we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth come out and you know what the guy did he jumped on them tore their clothes off. First thing he did is humiliate them. Pretty humiliating when you try to use the name of Jesus and you don't even follow Jesus because he's not going to honor that in your behalf. And if you try to do that on your own, there's no supernatural, but you're dealing with the supernatural. I'm going to tell you something about the devil's crowd. They are heavily invested in the supernatural. They experience the supernatural. That's why voodoo has such a hold on people in Haiti. Because they experience a spiritual reality. Amen. And that's why the American church is so dead and dormant and impotent. Because we entertain. The devil can come to church and sit on the front row and not be intimidated during the service. Because no one's going to take any authority over him. We're entertained. I'll never forget being in Haiti as we hurry and close. Preaching in Haiti. We'd just come from a place called Babylon. There was no lights, no running water. 
get water from the river, bathed in the river, ran out of water, didn't want to drink the river water, so we, we squeezed oranges that we had bought to get the juice for the moisture we needed. The last two days we had no water, and, and you couldn't drink out of the river. But I remember my morning to preach, and I got up to preach, I remember the message. I said, there's three things. In spite of everything the devil does, there's three things God is going to do. In spite of the, the move of Satan, in spite of all the opposition, all the demons and minions in hell, there's three things God is going to do. God is going to pour out His Spirit. Hallelujah. In the la last days upon all flesh. Amen. God is going to build His church right in the middle of all of the opposition of all of hell's persecutions and deceptions jesus is building a church by the way the gates of hell will not will because of the supernatural revelation can you say man the gates of hell shall not prevail against it the true church is not just going to survive this thing we are more than conquerors through him that loved us can you say man but don't candy coat on sunday morning don't go to a church i'm going to just warn you. you can go where you please, but please don't go to a church where you are not challenged. Please don't go to a church, amen, that just coats everything over, amen, that promises you pie in the sky. Listen, there is, there is a rest of faith, but there is also a fight of faith, and we're to fight the good fight of faith, and we're to earnestly contend, and that means put up a real fight for the faith that was once delivered to the saints because it's the faith that can save and deliver and set free because it's all about Jesus, Him crucified and raised from the dead. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know what's hard? When people start backsliding and don't acknowledge their backslide. Start falling away but don't see it. Until a giant comes. Unprepared. To win. Because they're unprepared to wrestle. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual dimension. There's a spiritual dynamic. Even to diseases. There is a spirit of infirmity. And there's no hospital in the world. That can take care of that. Because it would require the supernatural. Because it is supernatural. There were some people Jesus just healed. They had a physical malady. There are other people he cast out an infirm spirit. You can't treat it. There's nothing in, in the arsenal. They have. Listen, even in the physical world, the church needs the supernatural back. There are strains of bacteria right now that are resistant to every known antibiotic. In other words, if you get that kind of infection, all the antibiotics they have at their disposal not guaranteed to take care of it anymore. But is there a guarantee for any help from God when all of man's resources fail? Do we have anything from Him? Is there any promise? If there be any sick among you, let them call the elders. You better have... Oh, I'm not talking about people with gray hair wearing a name tag. I'm talking about mature ones. People that have graduated from the milk to the meat. 
Just because you sat in church for years don't make you an elder. You can be an elder by age, but not by spiritual growth. Call somebody with faith. Call somebody that knows their authority in Jesus who can take that authority over the enemy when it's necessary. And builds your faith. Giants are going to come. They're unavoidable. Get in the Word and let the Word get in you. We've got people in Pakistan want to hear the Word and people right here in Brandon that don't care about it until a giant comes. The lady came up to me, been in church for years and years, been in our church for years. She said, Pastor Venable, I'm not slaying my lions and bears. I'm not prepared for a giant. And I thought, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to just go with that? You're not going to put up at least a fight against backsliding? You're not going to at least try to do better? God won't help you to overcome whatever it is that's coming between you and Him? God's not big enough to handle it? You're just of circumstances down here? No, you're not. You're not alone. I will not leave you orphanous in that fallen world. I will not leave you orphanous. I will send you another comforter. And the word comforter there means one like myself. Just as if I was right there holding you up and holding your hand. He's available. I won't leave you on your own to fight this battle, to win this battle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And the next thing I got was a phone call from a nightclub in Ybor City. This person who had been in church for years and sang and served God and spoke in tongues. Watch out. Tongues, being able to speak in tongues is not the same as being committed to following Jesus. But I can still speak in tongues. Well, when you quit following Jesus, it's sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. It has no spiritual substance. And the devil will laugh at them. And he'll mock you because he knows you have no authority. He knows that. But if you submit yourself to God, if you submit yourself to God and Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, then you resist the devil and it all changes. That's what he fears. That's why he doesn't want a challenge from the pulpit among Christians on Sunday morning. Because if we submit to God and resist him, he doesn't have a choice. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Because if God is for you, if God is for you, if Oh, come on, I'm talking about the God who made heaven and earth, who kicked him out of heaven can you, and consigned him. He's, he's already knows where he's going. Can you say, man, listen to me. Listen, if God be for you, who can be against you? There's a victory for the church, but the church has to be challenged to submit to God to get that victory. Can you say, man, because till you and I are submitted to God, we have no authority. But we got... Tons of believers going to hear about their authority. 
without being challenged to submit to God. They were in a conference about the believer's authority in Jacksonville. And I got the tapes. I wanted to hear it. I listened to the tapes. I didn't buy them. They were given to me when Calvary Temple was Calvary Temple. And you know what the guest speaker or the primary speaker, the keynote speaker had to do? He had to call down the men who were at that conference away from their wives and families in pulpits hitting on the women at the conference until the women ask, can somebody tell them to leave us alone? Men are coming up to me and flirting with me and hitting on me at a Christian conference on the authority of the believer. Now, these are men that are not submitted to God. Can you say, man, standing in pulpits, trying to get a message of how to overcome the devil and use their authority. And the only thing they could really try to claim authority was to claim that automobile, to claim that particular uh, thing that they're after in the material world, no supernatural. And they had to call them down. One preacher said it this way. He said, I, I go to conferences so for a week or two I can carnal out. I can carnal out. In other words, I can entertain sin for a couple of weeks because there's nobody there to see me. Yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. God sees us. And not only does God see us, the devil sees us too. And when he sees us making those concessions and those compromises, he's got an open door and an authority that God never gave him. And that's why we're seeing the failure in pulpits today. Can you say amen? Or is everybody listening to me today? You're not going to survive on milk in the end time. You will never make it on milk. Preachers that just feed milk create spiritual babies whose growth is stunted. And people that just go to church that really would rather be home or be doing some worldly activity. But they're in church because someday they might need a miracle. It's not enough to just be in church. You've got to do something with the Word of God. One of the most discouraging things to me, David, is watching preachers satisfied with numbers and don't care whether they follow Jesus or not. And watch Christians... Here's the way Isaiah put it, and it broke his heart too, so I'm no better than him. He said, the priest bear rule by their means. They have appointed themselves to positions that God never gave them. He said, they prophesy by their own abilities, not by the supernatural power of God. They use thus saith when he hasn't said. He said, because if they'd stood in my council and brought my word to my people, they would have given warning from my mouth. But there is no warning. We've got a preacher right now preaching to 30,000 people this morning and hundreds of thousands by television and radio who's on record saying, I never preach on sin. My people just need to be lifted up. But what did Jesus die for then? 
just to lift people up and make them feel good or better. No, he died and suffered. And that cup he took, that bitter cup was for the remission of sins. So sins can be forgiven. It's not the gospel any longer. It is get rich, feel good, go home, and live in the sin. Without submission to God, you're vulnerable. Your marriage is vulnerable. You may think it never happened to me. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're vulnerable. This is not just happening to us personally. It's happening across the board. You'd be amazed how many pastors have just given up on revival. One pastor told me, he said, you know, I've got five years till I can get Social Security. It's too late. He gave up on revival. Give up on seeing any move of God. He just wanted to make it five years down the road till he could get another source of income. He said, because it's too late to go out and start a career and get a retirement. He said, if I could just make it. And I was so sad. I thought, if you sat in that church, what you're going to get on Sunday is let's just try to keep everybody happy, keep them entertained, and keep them coming and keep them giving until I can retire. You're not going to hear a word from the Lord. You're not going to be ready. This is not any other day. This is not even the day that Jesus was teaching. This is a different day. Many false prophets. The love of many. Everybody say waxing cold. You know what that indicates? At one time, they were really devoted. Nothing can't get cold that wasn't hot to begin with. This is not the world becoming impervious to the gospel and pushing God out of the culture. No, this is the church. Remember when Jesus spoke to Ephesus? He commended them for everything. The church at Ephesus, Revelation, chapter 3, verse 1, and to the church of Ephesus. Right, He commended them for every good thing, and there were so many good things. It shocked them and rocked them when He challenged He said, I know your works. He said, you stand up for the truth as you know it under persecution. You've tried them that say they're apostles and are not and found them to be liars. Your people committed to truth. In other words, concerning your religious activity, you are impeccable. But I have somewhat against you. And that must have rocked them. I have. This is not the, the pastor or the preacher with some axe to grind. This is Jesus saying something is wrong that is so wrong. If it isn't fixed, you are going to lose your lampstand. And I'm not going to tolerate it for a week or two weeks or ten weeks. There's so many people. One of these days I'm going to get right with God. One of these days I'm going to recommit my life to Christ. One of these days. Right now, as far as God is concerned, that's an intolerable, intolerable attitude that He will not tolerate in your life or mine. 
their ears perked up when he said, I have somewhat against you. What could it possibly be? You've left your first love. And you don't care that it's not there anymore. And everything you're doing without love, what happens? Love is the qualifier. Love for God, love for people. It's the qualifier for everything, every spiritual gift. Faith without love, even though it moves mountains, it'll only be the mountains that are in the way of you and your your self-felt needs. If I had faith to move all mountains and have not love, I'm zero. I'm not some spiritual big shot. I am nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, this is the big bugaboo to Pentecostalism. If I can still speak in tongues, I must be spiritual. And I must be right with God. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it is sounding brass and tingling cymbal. The devil doesn't fear it and God doesn't hear it. Say it with me. The devil doesn't fear it and God doesn't hear it. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Do you remember devotion? Do you remember passion? Do you remember when Jesus wasn't just something, He was everything? Remember from which thou art falling. Repent. That message is pushed back by Christians who do not want to deal with it. And so when it is preached, it's like a ping pong ball coming back at you. Well, how many services I see people looking like they lost their best friend, they're down in the mouth because we're preaching something that could be repented of, something that could be regained that's been lost, but there's not enough concern about it to deal with it. I'll keep putting it off. I won't, I won't do it in this service. And if you don't do it in this service, you probably won't do it in the next service or the next service or the next service when God puts his finger on because you're getting impervious to the seriousness. You're not slaying lions and bears. And I tremble. I tremble. I tremble for you when the giant comes. The giant of temptation took someone off of a platform into a nightclub and into a total backslidden condition. It took my uncle from a pulpit to a strip club. Took him from the new wine to vodka. Took him to opiate addiction. Took him into a total backslidden condition. From a pulpit. From laying hands on people. From casting out devils when he was submitted to God. Took him to being strapped to a bed going through withdrawal from the, all of the addictions and to look at a man who stood in a pulpit in a suit and preached Jesus in that condition. You know when he came back to God? It was a Wednesday night at the Holy Church of God when my uncle... See, you don't have to give up and you don't have to give in and you don't have to live that lukewarm life. Can you say, man? You don't have to. There is a choice. Jesus said, repent and do your first works. Can you say, man, there's an option here. Everybody say, thank God for the option. 
hallelujah, the option of repentance. Repentance doesn't mean that you're supposed to cry some alligator tears down here today to show how sorrowful you are. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. It's not one and the same. It can bring you to the place where repentance occurs, but it's not one and the same. If you weep at the altar but make no changes in your life, you've never repented. Repentance in the military means, were you in the military? What, what does it mean to do an about face? It's a 90 degree turn. It is a click of the heel and a turn in the total opposite direction. It's not what you do while you're here that constitutes repentance. It can start here. But when you walk through those doors, what you're going to do in your life, can you say, man, and God is not just looking to see whether you weep or not here, but what you're going to do when you walk out that door. What are you going to change? Is there nothing that needs to change? I don't know about you, but I believe i got room for some changes. I want to be challenged to change. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and said he needs to change. Thank you. I knew you would do that. Amen. I do. Not only do I need to change, I want to change. As we behold as in a glass his face, we are changed into his image. Metamorpho. It's the caterpillar, man. Hallelujah. That goes into a cocoon, but doesn't come out like he went in. He comes out a beautiful butterfly. Glory be to God. Amen. I want some of the fragrance and the beauty of Jesus to shine through my life while I'm still here in the land of the living where it really counts and it really matters. Hallelujah. Amen. I really want somebody to know Jesus. I want them to see His peace in me. I want them to sense His joy in me. I want them to see His power to overcome operating in my life. I want them to know how God brings me through my valleys. I want them to know there's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Repent and do your first works. Jesus speaking, lest I come to you quickly. I told you it's intolerable. Unless I come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. You want to know why your bumper sticker don't cut it? You want to know why that your witness doesn't affect anyone? Because when the lamp stands gone, it's all in the religious natural. There's no supernatural. Something God draws people. He will draw them to you to share the faith with. When they find out you're a person of faith, they'll know why you're the kind of person that you are. We're in Publix. And I used to go to the firehouse sub. I want more. I need to change. I want more of Jesus. I want somebody to know the reason of the hope that's in me because they can see it visibly, not just hear it audibly. Can you say, man? (laughs) And, of course, they say, who shall say this order is for? And Bob is such a common name, B-O-B. So I just thought I I had the joy of Jesus. I just thought, you know, I love to smile. Everybody's impatient in here, and they're overworked. I just like to see somebody smile today. And I said, Bob, in case you're typing it in for my order, 
And I said, spell it backwards to separate me from all the other Bobs. Okay. But you see, it coined a phrase now. I came in the next time to Firehouse Subs, they said, Welcome to Firehouse, backward Bob. And I said, See, I'm distinguished <laughs> from all those other Bobs. And so I did the same thing at Arby's. Little Mexican girl. And I went through, I was about a year after that, I went through a drive through at another restaurant. A little Mexican girl come looked out the window and said, Aren't you backward, Bob? <laughs> I said, Yes, I am. Hey, Amen. I said, That's me. That's me. That's me. Oh, backward, Bob. Firehouse sub, a guy quit there and went to work for Publix. And he come running down the aisle while we're shopping. And he said, backward Bob, backward Bob. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. How are you? He said, I'm doing good too. It's so good to see you. I said, it's good to be seen. Amen. I'm not just being funny. I want them to know there is a life in Christ. When I'm able to share my faith, there's a life in Christ. That's not this beleaguered, beaten down, beat up, defeated life. There's a victorious life. There's an abundant life in Jesus Christ. He came to give us life and that more abundantly. And it's not about the stuff. It's about the joy. It's about the peace. It's about the power. It's about the hope we have. Even death can't conquer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He came down my aisle my wife was in while she sent me to get the eggs at the other end. And he looked at her and she said, Backward Bob's right down there. Right? And he come running. <laughs> and in our conversation, it, I was just able to put the singer in. How you doing? I said, the Lord has been good to me. To let him know, maybe we're on the same team here. But even if we're not, I want you to know Christianity is not what you may think it is or take it for. This is a powerful life. This is a purposeful life. This is a satisfying life. This is a joyous life. This is a hope that nothing in the world could possibly ever give you. And we have this precious hope. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So I want to be known as a joyful Victorious, healed, helped man. Not an orphan down here on my own. I won't leave you comfortless. The Greek word is orphanous. You're not an orphan. You're a son. You're a daughter of Almighty God. And that is supposed to make a difference in the way that we live our life. Can you say man? Did you get anything out of this teaching today? Hallelujah. How many believe there's some meat in this message? How many know what meat's going to do for you? Amen. It's going to cause you to grow spiritually. And when you do, submit it unto God and you resist the devil, you're going to get a look at something most Christians get a rarely ever see. Most testimonies, I was going to do this for God, but the devil came against me. I was going to do that, but the devil came against me. 
I was going to change this about my life, but the devil came against me. The devil, 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 the devil. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil in the name of Jesus Christ, and he shall flee. Everybody say flee. The Greek word is run as in panic. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well, James said. The devils believe. There's not a doubter in hell of the authority that Jesus holds. Can you say, man, listen to me. They tremble. They tremble. I looked up the word tremble. I want to know what it really said. I looked up the word tremble. If the devil is, is, is trembling, I want to know how bad he's shaking. Can you say, man, I want to get in the Greek and I want to find out. You know what the Greek word for tremble was? I'm not going to tell you the Greek word because it's Greek to me. Amen. I can't pronounce it. But I, and I pronounce it wrong, but I can tell you what it means. It means to be so scared that the skin begins to crawl and the hair stands up on its end. Can you say, man, everybody say so scared that his skin is crawling and the hair on his Whatever is standing up on end. Can you say, man, that means he is scared of you because he's scared of God in you and for you. And if you resist him in the name of Jesus Christ, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a chance. He doesn't have a snowball's chance in where he lives. Can you say, man? But if you're not submitted to God, He will laugh in your face and you can go to all the conferences you want. But if you submit to God, it's all going to change. Hallelujah. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Can you say amen? How many people in this room right now believe you need some changes? There's room for some changes. Change is what repentance is all about. It's saying, I did this all week. The next week's going to be different. With the help and grace of God, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to spend some time in the Word of God. I, I don't want to be deceived in this day of great deception. I don't want to be defrauded of the power that's available to me in Christ. And Jesus has paid such a price that I could receive it. I want to represent the victory that He has purposed, promised, and provided. How many want to represent that kind of victory? You want your doctor to see it. You want your, your boss to see it. You want your children to see it. Thank God my son saw it enough that he would follow the faith that was once delivered before he left this world. Amen. I was glad to be a keeper of the faith so that he could see it was real, that it was real, that it was real. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Will you stand? You've lifted your hands and indicated you wanted change. God is ready. Repent and do thy first works. Not only will he not remove the lampstand, that fresh oil will cause fresh fire. To burn. And when that fire burns, that light will begin to shine into the darkness. And it will dispel the darkness. And the darkness will have to flee. There is absolutely no doubt about it. 
and thank God for the cross today. How many want that victory? How many need it? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the Lord. How many believe God's big enough to grant that victory to you? Hallelujah. I know that He is. All the victory begins at the cross. And it's going back to the cross that the first love is rekindled. It's going back to where your heart melts as you look upon Him who loved you enough to stay on that tree until your sin dead and mine was paid in full. We love Him that much, it'll be easy to submit to Him as the Lord of our life and reclaim the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ.